From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. We are starting something new today that I've been looking forward to for a while. I'm really excited about, um, and so I really want you to stay logged in uh, for, for the whole entirety of this if you can. Because I'm super stoked about this. I kind of feel like a kid at Christmas. Um, I don't know how you do things at Easter, but our kids were like super stoked about Easter. They were so excited. We try to make Easter a big celebration. You know, as we as we reflect to remember that Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the dead. So we try to we try to put a lot of emphasis on Easter and, and our kids like like Easter chocolates, like, like the Easter bunny. And so they were super excited Easter um, morning. We did it on the Saturday. We did a little hunt for them. And they were super excited about the Easter bunny coming and, and, and dropping some eggs off. And I asked Eli the next morning, I'm like, what time did you get up? Because he can tell the time. And he's like, I think I got up at like 5.30. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And that's kind of how I feel about what we're going to be uh, starting um, uh, today and going over the next few weeks. And I think it's very super timely for us because of the the format that we're in. This is a different format. It's a little less preachy than maybe would be on a on a Sunday morning, you know, we're not, I'm not standing on a stage, you're not in the room. And so uh, I think what we're going to be doing is actually timely for that. And what we're going to do is we're actually going to, we're going to go through the book of Mark, the gospel of, of Mark. Typically what we do here at Parkway Church is we'll go through a series of talks on a topic or a subject. And, um, and we'll, and, and we do that for a number of reasons. One, it helps us prepare. It also um, helps I believe us recall the talk a little more adequately, but once in a while we like to go through a book, and I love going through books. Um, I think it helps us get a better picture of of the Bible, and I find that the narratives in the scripture, the stories in the scriptures, are are way more engaging. You know, we've gone through a number of books since I've been a part of Parkway Church. We when I first came here, we went through the book of Joshua, and that was I loved it. That was my favorite uh, series. I think we did. Uh, we also went through the book of Ruth, and so we're going to be going through now the book of of Mark. Mark is the shortest gospel account in the New Testament. It's 16 chapters long, um, but we're not going to take it chapter by chapter. We're actually going to just uh, venture through it and allow the Spirit of God to lead us each time. And just see what he he wants to say and what he has for us. Think of it like a road trip where you may have a plan, but you kind of just drive and and see what happens. You know, a few years ago, Jody and I well, we decided to take our family on like a last minute uh, vacation to Myrtle Beach. It was it was super last minute, and it sounds actually really good right about now. A, a trip to Myrtle Beach would be good right about. Now. Actually, I don't know if it would be good. I don't know. But we took this uh, last minute trip, and we had we had a plan in place. We booked a hotel, and then we drove through the night, which was both incredibly practical and insane, I think, at the same time. And, and, and so we drove through the night, and, and we had a plan for each you know, day. We wanted to have a little uh, activity going on. But, but at the same time, we kind of just let, let the week and let the day kind of plan itself, and let's just let's see what adventure the day brings. And, and that's kind of what we're going to do when we go through um, Mark, is we want to study it for, for what it is, uh, but we also want the Spirit of God to lead us along the way. And we might venture off for a detour and do a side series that's that's not related to Mark, uh, but we're going to come back to it. We're going to make sure we finish it because um, my my personality would drive me crazy if we didn't. But I'm super excited about it. And how I like to actually read the Bible in my personal devotion life is is I just read at face value and I just open my heart and pray and ask the Spirit of God to speak to me. 
and, and, and just see what he has for me. That's kind of what we're going to be doing as we go through the book of Mark. So let's, um, let's pray, uh, and, and then we'll, I'll share a little bit about my buddy, buddy Mark. Today's going to be a little bit different than maybe preceding weeks because I'm going to give you some, some more background information just on the, on the book. But let's pray, and then we'll get right into it. So, Father, we just uh, commit this time that we have together to you. I ask, Lord, that you would open our hearts to receive ultimately from you today, that you would speak, Lord, to everybody that's tuning in, whether we're watching on Facebook, YouTube, the website, whether they're listening through the podcast or the radio, God, however it is that we're receiving this message, God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would speak, Holy Spirit, you're not bound by technology. And so in the name of Jesus, touch hearts, Lord, transform us by the reading of your word. We open ourselves to you, Spirit of God, and we commit, Lord, this time again to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So let me tell you uh, about um, the book of Mark. The book of Mark is actually the second gospel in the New Testament. There are four gospels in total, but the book of Mark is actually the first gospel that was written. It was written about AD 55 to 65. And what I love about the book of Mark is it's written to Gentiles and to Roman uh, believers. And if you, lived, if you lived during the time of Jesus, if you walked the planet during the time of Jesus, you would be um, a, a Gentile. We would be Gentiles. Gentiles are people that are not born of Jewish descent. And, and because the book of Mark is written to Gentiles and it's written to, to Romans, a lot of the Jewish customs that maybe aren't well known to us are more explained. He explains them a little bit more. And so that's actually really good for us. So, so Mark, or John Mark, as his mommy calls him, um, was a uh, co-worker with Paul. And he was a co-worker with Barnabas, actually cousin of Barnabas. And you can read about that in the book of Acts. And it was believed that Mark was a disciple of Peter. An early church historian by the name of uh, Papias uh, describes or recalls that, that Mark collected Peter's um, memories and eyewitness accounts and he shaped them into this, into this gospel, into this story. And from what scholars believe, that he didn't, just, he didn't just throw it together, he didn't just compile it and then put it in a chronological order and then write it down, but that he carefully crafted this story to ad address a bunch of questions about... Um, whether or not Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. Now, that's a word that we often throw around in, in the church and, um, and we use often in the church uh, is the Messiah. And it's also a title that's used for Jesus. And the Messiah was a royal figure, sometimes called the Son of God, that Israel expected, the Jews expected, would come and set up an earthly kingdom and overthrow um, oppression. Now, around the time of Jesus, around the time that the story of Mark um, takes place, Israel was occupied by the Roman Empire, and the Jews um, desperately hoped that the Messiah, this Messiah, this royal figure, would come and overthrow Roman rule and rule as king. And so when Jesus came, he came with authority, and he came with ability, and he came with, with power unlike any other person, but he didn't do exactly what they expected him to do. And so Eventually, they just killed him. They crucified him. They had formulated this idea about the Messiah based off of the prophecies. And when the Messiah had come, they lost sight of him because he didn't fit their idea. And that, that just strikes me really hard because we can get really stuck in our thinking sometimes. 
we can get really stuck in our thinking about church and about the Bible and about the way things should be. And then when things come along, like for instance, COVID-19, and they don't fit our formula, it, it wrestles with us and we struggle with it. But, but Jesus, the, the Messiah, we believe to be the Messiah, he didn't fit the mold. He didn't fit the expectation of the Jews. And so Mark actually writes... Um, to answer a, a bunch of questions, to address a bunch of questions about whether or not Jesus is and was the Jewish Messiah. And I think that's really a good question for us. I think that's really a good question for us. Is Jesus the Messiah? Like who, who is Jesus? Who is this person? Who is this man who has garnered billions of followers across the planet, who has changed the course of history, who has altered time? Our very calendar is based off of his birth. So who is this, this man? Now, the book of Mark, if you troll track with me, right, the book of Mark is broken down into three sections. The first section, uh, Mark uh, writes to address the question, who is Jesus, chapters 1 through 8. That's really set to, to address that question. Um, the second half of the book is, is written to show how Jesus became the Messianic king. That's chapters 11 through 16. And the middle couple chapters, um, halfway through the book of uh, uh, the chapter 8 all the way to chapter 10, um, there's, there's these, these, these stories that, that bring the two sections together as Jesus really describes um, and answers both of these questions. And so the first, in the first um, half of, of the book, Mark, the first half of the book, Mark really um, makes very clear about his beliefs about Jesus from the very first line. It says this, it says, now, the beginning, verse 1, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. Now, from that, the next story that's, that's immediate, immediately shown in the, in the book of Mark is Jesus' baptism. So Jesus gets baptized, and then God announces, the heavens tear open, and God announces that Jesus is his Son. And then Jesus goes about healing and performing these miracles, and as he's doing so, people are amazed, and they're, and they're bewildered, and he's telling them to keep quiet. Now, why is he telling them to keep quiet? It's because, again, they had these expectations about what the Messiah should be, and Jesus didn't want them to misunderstand what it meant for him to be the Messiah. He didn't want to yet reveal that at this part in the story. Then in the middle chapters, um, there's this story that really makes the transition from who is Jesus, the first half, to him becoming the Messianic King, where Jesus asks asks his disciples, um, who do you say I am? And Peter, one of the disciples, who's, who's pretty bold and courageous and off, off, often steps up first, he says, you're the Messiah. And then Jesus goes on to explain to them how he's going to become king, how he's, how he's got to suffer and how he's going to die and then he's going to rise again. And Peter, being as bold as he is, actually rebukes Jesus. He rebukes Jesus and then Jesus turns to Peter and he calls out his attitude and he calls out his, his thought pattern and he basically says, get behind me, Satan which is pretty strong language because imagine someone, you said something to someone and they, they looked at you and said, get behind me, Satan. And, and, and then the next few chapters, in, um, right in the, in the middle of this uh, book, highlight how important it is for Jesus, um, for his disciples to understand who he is. They still have these wrong expectations. There's actually a couple um, scenes where um, the disciples are arguing over who's the greatest right? Who's the greatest disciple? And Jesus is looking at him. He's like, you're not getting it. And then there's, there's another story where uh, uh, disciples are one saying, can I sit at your right? And can I sit at your left when you come into your glory, when you set up your throne, when you set up your rule and reign? And so Jesus is constantly trying to explain who he is and they're constantly um, confused. And then the last half really shows how Jesus becomes king. 
begins with Palm Sunday, which we looked at a few weeks ago, where Jesus enters the city and the, the people, the Israelites, the Jews, actually celebrate him as the Messiah, as the coming king. But then Jesus gets into a lot of conflict with the religious leaders and um, with the people. Um, he throws a bunch of people out of the temple because they're, they've turned it into um, a consumeristic society, a consumeristic place. Um, his authority is challenged. And then eventually throughout that week, he's beaten, um, he's, he's put on trial, he's mocked as king, he's beaten, and he's hung on a cross. And so you see this transition. That brings us right to the end. And then right at the end, there's this unlikely character as Jesus hangs on the cross who finally answers the question, who is Jesus? And it's a Roman soldier of all people. So Jesus is writing, or Mark is writing to, to Gentiles and to Romans and the, the one guy at the end who suddenly gets everything that's going on is Jesus hanging on a cross as a Roman soldier. And he says, truly, this man is the Son of God. Now, the book doesn't end there, but you see Mark's intention when he asks the question, who is this man? Now, for the sake of time and, and making sure that you, wanna, you are just keeping with me, I want to turn our attention to an, uh, another unlikely character at the beginning of the book of Mark, and he goes by the name uh, John the Baptist. And so what we're going to do, if you got your Bible, hopefully you do by now, because I told you to turn to Mark chapter 1. We're going to read Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, and I actually have a special guest who's going to read the, the section of, of Scripture for us today. So take it away. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it's written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts with wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I will baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Well, thank you so much, Carrie, for helping us out today. Didn't she do such a great job? It's good to see another face in the, the service. So here is this character um, right at the beginning of the book of Mark named John. John's the oddball. He's the weirdo. He's the guy that doesn't fit in. He's the, he's the, the funky kid in high school. He's the one that sits alone at lunch. People look at John funny, you know, because John isn't like other people. And he's not trying to fit in. He's, he doesn't try to follow the crowd. He dresses funny and he eats really weird food. You know, he's he, honey, which is fantastic, but, but bugs, he's eating locusts. Um, the other day, I'm, you know, I'm in my backyard with my, with my boys and there's all these, and you probably know what they are. I don't know what they are, but they're like tiny little, little, little flies. And they're, they're, they're flying in swarms of, many, of hundreds, right? Just like a little pocket here, a little pocket here, a little pocket here. And we're in the backyard and Eli's running around and he's, he's biting, he's trying to bite at these bugs. I'm like, buddy, what are you doing? He says, eating? I'm like, oh, that's obvious, but why? And he says this, he says, bugs have a lot of protein in them, Dad. And I, don't, I, don't, I can't argue with him there because I think maybe they do, but maybe he's onto something. So, so John is eating bugs and he's hanging out in the wilderness. Now, I think it, that is significant. The prophet Isaiah, and we read it right at the beginning of this, of this section, prophesied about 100 years before 
Jesus that someone would come before the Messiah, a messenger, a gap filler, to prepare the way for the Messiah, calling out of the wilderness. And so here is John in the wilderness. Now, when I think of the wilderness, I think of beauty, right? I love the outdoors. I love nature. But the wilderness isn't always beautiful. In fact, we often use that word to describe times and seasons that aren't beautiful. We use it to describe times when we feel lost or alone or burdened or abandoned or uncertain or doubtful or in despair, maybe quarantined. Uh, maybe we've sent something by, by God, that, but that hasn't come. Or maybe we were promised something, but we're still waiting. You know, in the church world, we sometimes say things like, I feel like I'm in a wilderness season, right? Uh, I wonder if you've ever felt like this. You've ever felt, what's going on? You know, what, what is God doing? Will He come through? What, wh- will we get through this? Will this never end? I, in fact, I think a lot of us are thinking and asking those questions right now with what's happening in our world today. Are we going to get through this? So this is where the people of Israel were in the time when John came on the scene. They were in this wilderness uh, period. If you, if you take your Bible... And uh, just bear with me for a moment. If you take your Bible and you turn to the last book of the New Testament, to the book of Malachi, and you put your finger between the book of Malachi and the first book in the uh, the Old Testament. Uh, sorry, Malachi is in the Old Testament. I believe I said New Testament. Um, you, you put your finger between Malachi and the first book of the New Testament, um, which is Matthew. You put your finger there. Um, that that gap represents about 400 years in in Israel's history. And it's come to be known as the silent years because during this time, God was mainly silent. So in the Old Testament, God spoke through his, through his prophets. He spoke through Moses and he spoke prophetically and, and um, through the temple and, and all sorts. And then there was this, this, this period where he didn't. And it was during this, this period that, that the people were waiting and waiting for the promised Messiah to come. And year after year after year after year, there was nothing to silence. So around the time of Malachi, around 430 BC, the Jews had re- returned from Pal- uh, to, to Palestine from being captives in Babylon. They were in a- exile and they were captives in Babylon. But the Persian Empire co- came and they overthrew Babylonian reign and rule and they set up their empire and they allowed the Jews to return. And so the Jews rebuilt the temple and they set up the law of Moses and they instituted the priesthood and that had all been restored. But, the, but God's people were still living in rebellion. Uh, Men were mistreating their wives. God's people weren't tithing. The priests were neglecting the temple, and they weren't teaching the people the ways of God. Now, eventually, Alexander the Great, he comes in, and he overthrows the Persian Empire, and he brings in Greek rule with it and the Greek language. And as a result, actually, just a little history point for for you, the Old Testament, the Hebrew, in this time was translated into Greek, and that's, that's called the Septuagint. And when you look at the New Testament, most of the time when the New Testament um quotes the Old Testament, it's actually quoting from the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the, of the Hebrew Bible. And so he comes in, and then from there we have a successor after successor and empire after empire um, coming to a halt with the Roman Empire. Now, when the Romans took control, God's people, the Israelites, the Jews, longed for this Messiah to appear more than ever before because the Romans were barbaric. They were ruthless. And so predominantly in the mind of a Jew was, when is this going to end? We need a Savior. We need a Deliverer. We need a Messiah. You know, when we look at the world today, we can see the devastation that that the rule of man has caused. 
slavery and wars and terrorism and violence and division. And if we take that closer to home, it gets a little bit more personal. We get hatred. We have, we have greed. We have selfishness and consumerism and shattered families and marriages and addictions and brokenness. Today, COVID-19, we're physically distant. We're in a state of emergency. Essential services are the only places open. Um, we have our economy that's got... Uh, potentially could crash. You know, people are being laid off without work. People are in fear. People are dying. We are in a period of wilderness, right? And we are in need of a savior. We are in need of a Messiah. We want to be delivered from this. We need Jesus even more so beyond the circumstance in our hearts, in our minds. We're in turmoil. What's going to happen with my job? I'm going to be able to pay and afford this and and get that, you know, the sickness. I gotta, we gotta protect ourselves when we go out, you know, and, 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 and we have emotions that are circulating through us, through our mind and through our heart, and we are in need of Jesus. Now, for the Israelites, when they're in this wilderness period, this gap period of 400 years before Jesus came, there was this guy named John. John was the gap filler between the, the New Testament and the Old, between the, the promise of the Messiah and the fulfillment, between the anticipation of his arrival and his arrival. John was kind of like the answer for their hopes in the wilderness period. So I want to give you three things today that John did that I think we can take something from and learn something from. And number one is this, is John prepared the way. John's role was to get ready for Jesus. John's role was to prepare people for Jesus. And he had one simple message, and it was this, repent. And repent basically means to, to turn around, to do a 180. And that's not a dance. It's to change. John called people to evaluate their lives, to, to realize that they were sinners, um, that they had missed God's mark, and he called them to turn to him. He, he had a message of good news and bad news. You ever, ever have someone come to you and say, you want the good news or the bad news? Most of the time, I think we pick the bad news. Some of us like the good news first, right? They, we, want, we want a little cushion before we hear something bad. I like the bad news because I always want to end with good, right? But the bad news in this case comes first, and it's that we're sinners. We are hopelessly lost without God's grace. We are insane. We've been separated from God without Jesus. And without Jesus, we are accountable to our sin. Without God's love and without God's grace in our lives and upon us, hopelessness follows. Hopelessness in our relationships, in our marriages, in our friendships, our finances, what we do with our have, what we have in our business dealings, how we treat people, our character, our attitude, our eternity, what happens after we die. Ultimately, our spirit is lost, dead, and hopeless. That is the bad news. But the good news follows that. But God loves you and he forgives you and he will radically change your heart and your destiny if you let him. I heard this quote once and it said this, it says, repentance is the message of change. It's a response to God's searing light shining on our darkest, our deepest sins, and then humbly acknowledging that we need his forgiveness. And so John's message was a message of repentance, repentance, repent, turn from your ways for the kingdom of God was near. And so he's getting, people are flocking to him, right? People are, are drawn to this because people are finding themselves in hopelessness. And here he is providing hope, providing hope. 
And so they asked him, what should we do? And he, he didn't give them simple ideas. He didn't just say, be a good person, smile more, you know, drop groceries off in someone's door, you know, be kind, open the door for someone. Um, he did what Jesus did. If you ever look at what Jesus did, Jesus always took things deeper, right? He always took things to the next level. And that's what John did. He said to, to the crowd, he said, anyone who has two shirts, shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. The tax collectors, he said, he said, don't cheat people. Don't collect more tax than you're required to. To soldiers, he said, stop extorting people for money. Don't falsely accuse people. He was, he was, preparing, people, um, uh, he was preparing people to recognize the wrong in their ways and change. And people don't like change, right? People don't like being told that there's something wrong with them. People don't like being told that there is, there is error, there is wrongdoing. But without the bad news, there is no good news, Right? True transformation requires that people recognize the error in their ways. See, unless you know what God has saved you from, you'll never understand what He's saving you to. Unless you know what you've been freed from, you'll never really know what He's freeing you to, to do, to be. And so, so are, we, are we like John, and are we preparing people for Jesus? Because that's what John did. He prepared the way for Jesus. He prepared their hearts, their thinking. Are we, peop- are we like John? Are we preparing people around us for Jesus. The second thing is that he declared the way. So he prepared the way and he declared the way. This was his message. He says, after me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. So John pointed people to something much greater. He pointed people to something much, much, much bigger and much better. And he pointed people towards ultimately the sacrifice that Jesus made. He said, he says, I baptize you with water, right? John's, John's baptism was one of repentance. He would baptize people in water. We still practice water baptism today. But he says, I baptize you with water. He's like, but he's going to fill you with the Spirit. He's going he's gonna to refine you with fire. And then so as he's baptizing people, Jesus shows up on the scene one day, literally on the scene. And John's like, there he is. There's the Lamb of God. Look, the one who takes away the sins of the world. He is here. So John stands in this historical 400-year gap and prepared and declared Jesus. People today are in a wilderness of, of their own. Lives are surrounded by pain and hurt and uncertainty and doubt, hopelessness and sin. Will we be the kind of people who stand in the gap and point people to Jesus. Like, will we be the kind of people who say change because the kingdom of God is near? Somebody is waiting for you to prepare the way. Somebody is waiting for you to declare the way to Jesus. There is a better way. There's a better way to live. There's there's something greater that you were designed for. There's someone greater who can fill your life with everything that you think you need, with the fulfillment that you're longing for. You know, one of the best ways to to point people toward Jesus is to live for Jesus. John put on camel skins and stood out. We need to put on something equally as strange in this world, and that's like righteousness, selflessness, grace. Grace. You know, we put on honesty instead of lying and cutting corners, truthfulness instead of gossiping. We put on marital fidelity instead of letting our eyes and our heart and our body wander. We put on generosity instead of, instead of greed, instead of a hoarding mentality. We put on forgiveness and mercy instead of arrogance and bitterness and resentment. There is a better way. 
That was John's message. There's a better way. Change. There's a better way. Repent. Turn around. Just prepare people for Jesus. He was declaring that Jesus is the better way. Look, here he is, he says. So John prepared the way. He declared the way. Number three is he got out of the way. You know, a little bit later on in the gospel stories, uh, Jesus starts getting a lot of following. And people are following John less and less and less. And John's disciples, his followers, actually are a little perturbed and upset. And John says something pretty profound to them. He says, he, pointing to Jesus, he says, he must increase, I must decrease. He must become greater, I must become less. And that's so powerful. And then the rest of the story is all about who Jesus is. You know, John ultimately baptizes Jesus. Jesus comes and he says, I need you to baptize me. And John's like, whoa, uh, you need to baptize me. You're the Son of God. You're the Messiah. See, John understood something that the people didn't understand. People didn't really know who Jesus was then, but John got it. And here he is baptizing the Son of God. And so he baptizes Jesus. Then there's this scene where the heavens, the scriptures say that the the heavens are torn open and, and the Father declares to Jesus, you are my Son. So the very first thing that we learn in the book of Mark, chapter 1, the very first thing we learn is that it's all about Jesus, right? It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about our church. It's not about Parkway Church. It's not about putting us on the map. It's about preparing and declaring the way for Jesus and then getting out of the way. It's not about us. It's about Him. You know, I think there are two kind of people watching today as I was preparing and thinking and praying about this. I think there's two people watching. I think there's the group who haven't received the message of repentance yet. You haven't received the message of God's grace, the bad news and the good news. And then there's people who have. And so to the first group, I want to say this. I want to say it is about Jesus. Life, resistance, it's all about Him. You need Him. In your wilderness, you need Him. And He's come to give you hope, and He's come to give you fulfillment. He's come to forgive your sin. He's come to reconcile you back to God, to give you life, and to give you eternal life. And all you need to do is turn from your ways and turn to Him, because it's about Him. You know, how do you do that? It's simple. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, then you are saved It's as simple as confession, as saying, God, I believe in you, I'm putting my trust in you, and I'm following you. Help me. You can pray to him. You can talk to him just like you talk to me. Intentionally talk to God. Open your mouth and speak to him just like you would speak to somebody else. You know, and we want to help you with that. You know, if you send us a message, you send me a message. You can email me, uh, call at weareparkway.com or any part of our team. You can email any of us. You know, maybe you were invited by someone or maybe you're a friend of someone or Maybe you're a family member of someone that you're tuning in with. Ask them, how can, how can, I, how can I receive this message, this, this, this message of repentance, of change, of, of bad news and good news, of, of Jesus? I want Jesus. It's all about Him. I want Jesus. And listen, you're not going to receive that until the Spirit of God makes it clear to you. You're not, you're, your heart isn't going to be open until God, said, God reveals it to you. I can say it all I want, but it's God who's going to impact your heart. That's the first group. To the second group, um, is this. It's all about Jesus. It's not about you. And maybe you forgot that. Like, did you forget? It's not about you? Be like John. Be a gap filler. Actually, I love what Jesus said later on in one of the gospel accounts. He says, uh, born to women, there is no one like John. 
the greatest who have ever been born to women. This is the Messiah saying this. Be like John. Be a gap filler. Prepare the way for people to meet Jesus. Declare the way to Jesus and then get out of the way. And it's really hard to get out of the way when we're in a wilderness. Because in a wilderness, we're in survival mode, right? We're in, we're in me mode. We're in protection mode. We're in let's get through this mode. But Jesus is the one who comes into the wilderness and offers salvation and hope for tomorrow. John is the one who came into a 400-year wilderness for people, the silent years, and prepared people the way for Jesus. John was in the wilderness. So even in your wilderness, I think more so you can point people towards Jesus when you're going through difficult times, how you respond, how you act, how you, how you venture through those difficulties can point people to, towards Jesus more than when you're not in that wilderness. Be like John. Be a gap filler. Prepare the way, declare the way, and then get out of the way. We can be hope dealers. That's what I think we can be. We can be hope dealers and offer people hope in a time like this when it's needed. Because we're in a wilderness, we're in a season, we're in a difficult time, and I think there are people today, and maybe you're one of them, that are wondering, what is God doing? Where is He? The Israelites were wondering, where is God? Where is this Messiah that's going to come and deliver us? Sure enough, John shows up and he points the way, and then Jesus comes. And this is what the book of Mark is all about. So listen, I want to pray for you, and I want to pray for us as we continue in this time that we would look to Jesus as our hope, that we'd find strength in Him, and that in doing so, we'd point people to Jesus, just like John. So would you bow your heads with me, and let's just take a moment, and let's just pray to Him. Father, I just want to thank You for Your goodness and for Your faithfulness. Lord, I thank You for Your your Word and the truth within Your Word, God, that we can learn from it, that we can glean from it, Lord. And I pray that as we were, we were engaging in your word today and as I was sharing, Holy Spirit, that you would have been speaking to hearts and minds. Lord, I know there's people here, Father God, that, that are, are without the knowledge of Jesus Christ, Lord, that, that haven't received the message. I pray that you'd reveal sin. I pray that you'd reveal the error in their ways, in our ways, Father God, so that we can turn, so that they can turn towards you. Holy Spirit, you once revealed to Peter that Jesus was the Messiah. I pray that for those watching today, you would reveal to them that Jesus is the Messiah, He's the Savior, He's what they're longing for, He's what they need, God, He's what we need. Lord, for all of us, even for those of us who have received this message, God, help us to, to remember that it's not about us, it's about you. It's about you, it's about Jesus. And I, so I pray, Father God, for everyone tuning in, God, that we would recognize, Lord, we'd recognize that you are the one that's come in the wilderness, that you're the one that's come to, the, to be the Savior of the world, to forgive sin. And so as we venture through this book, God, teach us more things, reveal truth to us, Lord. Help us to be like John. Help us to be like John who we didn't care about what he was wearing or, or what he looked like, Lord, but he just prepared the way and for people to meet you. He declared where you were at, who you were, God, and then he got out of the way. Help us to be people who prepare the way for people to meet Jesus. Help us to declare the way by, by living for you, God, and help us to get out of the way. Help us, help us not to make our lives about us. And I know that's difficult, but Holy Spirit, guide us and lead us, Lord. For those that are sick and ill right now, I pray in Jesus' name that you just bless with healing, Father God. That's not beyond you, God of all things. So you can heal, you can touch, Lord. So for those, God, I pray, God, for a healing a touch of your power, God, your presence, in Jesus' name. I pray for protection, Father God. You know, we're in a state of emergency. You know this, God, in our nation, our world, this pandemic, God, just protect, protect bodies, protect minds, protect hearts, God, for fear even as well. Lord, just be God in our lives as only you can. For those that are in a different kind of wilderness, God, different kind of experience right now, just pray that your hope 
would come to their hearts, Lord. Help us to be hope dealers. Help us to be hope when there's bad news. Help us to show um, the good news of Jesus Christ, Lord. And, and we just love you, God, and we pray above all else that you're glorified, that you're honored, that you're blessed, because it's all about you. And so for everybody listening, bless them this morning, God, or this evening, whenever they may be tuning in, God, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.